On today's episode, Anna is sharing the amazing survival story of Jamie Kloss, a brave 13-year-old that outsmarted her captor. Welcome to Crime Bar. Good doing accents today? I did not mean to. Hi. It's an anxiety accent. I Aww. do those when I get nervous. You're nervous? What are you nervous about? Just life. Life? <laughs> Nothing, nothing's happening later. Nothing, nothing's going on. Nothing's, um, oh, the anxiety that I'm having what are you currently. Ner- what are you nervous about? I think it's just the profuse sweating that I'm having. I know, it's that's, really hot. That's been on my mind. We're living through a heat wave and it's, um, it's not cool and there's no AC in this room. And if you're someone that's listening to this and you get butt sweat as well, just oh. know that I am an advocate. I am a member of that club yeah. and you are not alone. It's tough. What do you mean advocate? What are you advocating for? Oh, I guess it's just like kind of powder? like I have butt sweat and I'm proud. Like, just, Oh, you're proud of that? Well, you just have to be. I think you just kind of have to own it if, oh, if it's yeah. your reality. I get butt sweat too. I get like such intense butt and boob sweat. Mm-hmm so bad yeah no it's it's to the point where most fabrics are out of are not an option for me during summertime you just gotta wear loose comfy dresses dark colors dark colors dark loose comfy dresses around the house that just let your nether regions breathe. just breathe let it breathe or you gotta yeah. powder your butts yeah um speaking of biggest fears <laughs> What's it? <laughs> I was. You mean like being stuck out somewhere sweating in like a light, tight dress? Like imagine you're on a date and you're wearing like a beautiful white breezy linen dress, and then all of a oh. sudden your spray tan butt sweat transfer oh. is just two pumpkins no, on the back terrible. of your dress. Yeah, it'd be mortifying. Um, yeah. But I was thinking of biggest fears and how like when a guy or just in general in a conversation, people are like, "What's your biggest fear?" And there's always like those girls that are mm-hmm. so adorable, and they answer with the. Um, spiders <laughs> or heights yeah and so I'm like stupid. are you kidding me yeah no because I feel like for people like you and I our biggest fears are something like I've got some dark ones being kidnapped yeah. and detained for a long period of time yeah because personally for me I would rather have like a run-in with a spider of course or just like avoid going to the Eiffel Tower sure or looking over the edge of the Grand Canyon sure. yeah because you have no choice if you run into a psychopath and you get kidnapped yeah I would I would think that that would be a biggest fear yeah I feel like those girls who say that are not super deep. The depth. Or it's kind of like they don't want to go there. Yeah. Like being murdered. And the guy's like, oh, I just thought. Well, uh, duh. I just wanted to talk sharks. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I have like my biggest fear. I have so many irrational, huge fears. Mm -hmm. But my biggest is trusting the wrong person. Telling them all of my deepest, most messed up, scary fears. And then it turns out. He is like a psychotic serial killer. He dupes me into being in a relationship with him where we're alone and like my guard is down. And then he just one by one does them all, does all of those things that I'm terrified of. 
Well, when I first moved in with you, I asked you, I remember vividly in the living room, I said, Ashley, what's your biggest fear? And you got really quiet. And I'm like, okay, it's about to be really weird. <laughs> and you were like, I don't like to tell people that because I'm afraid they'll use it against me. Yeah. And I was like, Ashley, did you watch Witches of Eastwick when you were too young? And you were like, yes. And that's when we looked at each other and we're like, this is going to be an easy friendship. Yeah. We bonded over that. Yeah. So just in case you fall in love with like a Jack Nicholson, who yeah. happens to be the devil. Yeah. 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 Got to hold those uh, close to your chest. Yeah. But um, just so you guys know, mine is kidnapping and detainment, which is the case that I'm covering today. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, very on brand. Yes, it is. <laughs> so I'm going to just, that's why I did that intro. <laughs> really? <laughs> So if you're anything like me, then today's story is a worse nightmare. There are an alarming number of kidnapping and detainment cases, so many in fact that it actually became very difficult narrowing it down to just one case. I chose to cover the incredible survival story of Jamie Kloss. This- So you, what made you like wanna do a- Just because it like, was a biggest fear. Oh, you were just sitting around <laughs> thinking about your fears and you're yeah. like, okay, yeah, I'll just do this. Yeah, I was I'll just dive mood. headfirst into my own biggest fear. Well, there's so many of these. And so, you know, it's going to, you know, it can happen. It's not abnormally common, of course, but it does happen um, enough where I think it's good to be aware of that possibility. And I think in this particular case, it happened in the least likely of scenarios, which is, I think, why it intrigued me and terrified me so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, so here we go. Okay. I don't think I know that. This one? Yeah. It's about to rock your world and What'd make you, you not want to have kids. Uh, Jamie Kloss. Oh, okay. So that's not Polly. No, this is Kloss. not Polly Kloss. Okay. Kloss. Oh, Kloss yeah. and Kloss. It's not very, even the same name. Yeah. Okay, sorry. So this story takes place just a few years ago in October of 2018. So very oh, recent. Super recent. 21-year-old Jake Patterson was working at Saputo Cheese in Alumna, Wisconsin, when he first spotted Jamie Kloss. Jake was instantly enamored, and he stared obsessively as she got into her bus, which only mm. implies that she is very young. Uh, she, was only, she was only 13 years old at the mm. time. So he follows the school bus Yuck. so that he can memorize her route and see where she lives. Oh. For days, Jake couldn't get this young girl off of his mind. He was transfixed on the idea of kidnapping her and holding her as his prisoner. According to a later interview, Jake had fantasized about kidnapping a young teenage girl for a very long time. And he said that the idea came to him after he had been discharged by the Marines for medical reasons. Like mental health? Yes, medical mental health. reasons? Yes. So I'm going to go ahead and just show you a picture of Jake now so that you can picture his wormy little face for this entire story. Ugh. Ew, he does look like a little worm. He works like a little worm. Ew, you look like a little worm. I know. He has like one of those faces that you just want to inexplicably punch. You know? Yeah. A very punchable face. Like a worm. Yes. No offense to the people who look like worms who are really nice. Sorry. We can say that about him because he sucks. Sure. He had spent years thinking about every tactic and every detail that would guarantee that he got away with this crime. But he said that he never acted on his desires until he saw Jamie. Later in an interview, he so eloquently said, I was more like thinking I could kidnap a fucking girl and just like keep her in shit. If it wasn't Jamie, it would probably be someone else. <laughs> Ew. Don't forget he is 21 years old, which yeah. somehow like to me, 
I've pictured this type of criminal being like 50 and hairy and old and yeah I guess I do young. I sort of think that too but yeah that's very very young that's so scary on October 5th 2018 Jake Patterson drove to the home of Jamie Kloss his plan was to kidnap her but decided against it when he saw that there were people walking around inside the house and he was chickened out he was worried that there would be too many possible witnesses, so he drove away and came back just a few days later. Same story, once again, too much activity inside the house, and he left. He made his third and final visit on October 15th. Before leaving the house, he decided he needed to do something to pump himself up. This is when he put his shotgun in his mouth and told himself, you know, either I'm going to die or they are. Okay, so, so like who? the most <laughs> unstable one could be. Yes, absolutely. Like I, when I read that, I'm like, well, I put myself with hard rock, you know, and yeah. I just kind of scream it in my car, sure, but sure. we're no Jake Patterson. Do you so. do that? Oh, yeah. You you put on hard rock in your car and you and just I scream? Well, not like not like unhinged screaming. I mean, like singing <laughs> along to the, to the song. Oh, okay. Just loudly. Sure, sure, sure. Oh, okay. my God. That would be unhinged, too, if I'm screaming yeah. in my car. Um, so before getting into his car, Jake decided that he better shave his head and beard to avoid leaving behind any genetic evidence. Ew, wait, that wormy dude had a beard? Yes, Ew. I know, and he made his face. He's in his mugshot, he doesn't have a beard. He's freshly shaved. Yuck. This dude was very prepared. Um, he had dreamt about this moment for so long um, that he was ready to do whatever it took to snatch this girl and not leave any witnesses or a trace of evidence behind. He then got into his maroon Ford Taurus and drove to the Kloss residence. Okay, wait, not to be like super um, detail mm -hmm. like focused, but like he shaved his beard and his hair to avoid leaving hair behind. Did he shave his body? Like there did, was no did, details of Did the he body. have arm hair yeah, like and stuff? And then he shaved his ankles, wrists, and sleep. <laughs> um, no, there was no disclosing of that. It just said okay, yeah, okay. But he was very prepared. He, I wouldn't put it past him to be very thorough. Okay. Um, I also want to quickly add that he cut the like trunk safety cord, oh, the one that is like yeah. a safety measure, the for, one that you can for this exact thing. Yes, you yeah. pull it open and it, yeah. you know. I've um, heard that if you're in a trunk and you don't have that, mm -hmm. if you try to bust out the lights. Yes, but he made that impossible for her too. Oh. But yes, that is a good fun fact for people listening. Yeah, it's a um, safety precaution. Precaution, yeah, Something because you know. if your lights go out, then you're more inclined to get. Pulled over. Pulled over, yeah. Exactly. So he also swapped out his license plate for a stolen one. Once again, yeah. real, real thorough. This time, he approached the home after midnight because he figured the family would be all asleep. And he was right. He turned off his lights and drove very, very slowly. Very <laughs> he turned off his lights and drove very slowly down the driveway he parked his car and got out quietly. Armed with a 12-gauge shotgun, wearing a ski mask and all-black clothing, he made his way to the front door of the house. Aren't those shotguns, like, really big? big. Really big. Yeah, they're, like, really, really big. <laughs> Has like, that's just gun aficionados. <laughs> aficionados. <laughs> I don't even know how to say the name. As gun experts, they're really big. Aficionados? Aficionados. I just know that they're really, like... It's they're, a big gun. Yeah. Aren't deep. they, like, as tall as, like, a little kid? 
I have not put a 12-gauge next to a child, but I feel like well, okay, one, I would, one either, would assume. Yeah. I'm just, I mean, like when I see pictures of, it's like a hunting thing, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it's huge. Like a rifle. Okay, anyways. So, Sorry. <laughs> as we get into Whatever, this. it's not like a handgun. No, it's a big gun. Okay, it's a big gun. Okay, so he makes his way to the front of the house, and as he's approaching, the family dog named Molly um, starts losing her mind, barking and alerting her family of an intruder. Good for doggies. Yes. James Kloss, the dad of Jamie, was probably completely disoriented because he is dead asleep at this point. It's past midnight, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden his dog is flipping sure. out at the front door. That yeah. I can't even imagine like your stomach would be flipping in a knot. Yeah. Like, that's not normal for them. No. Uh, James shone a light onto him through the glass pane that was just like on the front door. Yeah. And what did he see? <laughs> a man in a man. ski mask, all black clothing with a giant gun. Um, I think that he was maybe disoriented at this site because he demanded that he show him a badge. I'm guessing he thought he was a cop and I don't Mm. know. I think it's like the idea of like a a killer trespasser wasn't on his mind. And instead of complying with James, um, Jake demands open the fucking door before shooting Mr. Kloss through the glass. (gasps) The single shot killed him instantly. Oh my gosh. Jake was able to damage the deadbolt and to force himself into the home. Detectives reported that he most likely shot the lock with his shotgun and just pushed his way through. Jake quickly made his way from room to room. He didn't want to leave any witnesses behind, so he was on a mission to locate the remaining family members. Oh my God. He what, checked- um, Where, like, was this? Wisconsin. Like, and they lived, like, in a neighborhood? It's or rural, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's like a, it's like a suburb, this is like a suburban neighborhood, and I'll put a oh. post, I'll put a picture on Instagram. So they have, like, neighbors. Yes. Like, next. I'm not, I don't know the proximity, it did nothing disclose oh, the proximity okay. of it, but I do have a photo of it, and it's since then been torn down. Oh, okay. Um, He checked every single door and scanned every single room. When he tried opening up the bathroom door, he discovered that it was locked. He knew that this meant that Mrs. Kloss and Jamie must be hiding inside. At 12.53 a.m., a 911 call came in. Deputy Presley could hear loud screaming in the background. The dispatcher called the number back when the first call ended, but it went straight to voicemail. The voicemail greeting confirmed that the phone belonged to Denise. Denise is Jamie's mom. Jake was in the process of kicking and slamming his body against the locked bathroom door. He had that like disgusting strength and determination that only crazy people have. He was obsessively slamming his entire body and to the point where the door just split in two. And that's very difficult, just like horizontal or vertical, sorry, split in two. And I just like can't stop thinking about the fact that they're Jamie's father and Denise's husband was just murdered. They know he's dead. Yeah. And now they're just in this bathroom doing whatever it takes to stay away from this man. And like that yeah. feeling of wanting to protect your baby. I just, oh, yeah. I can't even imagine that. Um, when he, And even if you think this is just a in home invasion, you just don't, you don't your know mind what's isn't, happen. you don't know what's going to happen. And you don't imagine that this man is like desperately trying to get your daughter. No. Like it. I, I don't know. I feel like I would wake up and just feel like, oh, this is a home invasion. Someone is breaking in or something yeah. like like your I don't know. Your mind doesn't go to someone stalking your child. No. And I think and, at that point it probably like all hit her. The fact that I mean, 
the, yeah. obviously her husband was just shot. Yeah. That could be unfortunately a place of, you know, or a situation of wrong place, wrong time. Sure. And then he wants to come in and take the TV. Yeah. And so you hide in the bathroom and, so you hide. and you just wait it out. Yeah. But the fact that he is aggressively slamming to try to get access to you only yeah. implies that he has like a very violent, this is literally the stuff of nightmares. Of nightmares, it yes. Like a horror movie. So by the time he gets inside, Jamie, Jamie and Denise are cowering in the bathtub. Jake said that Denise was holding Jamie with her entire body, oh. just like a bear hug, completely covering her up with every, every inch of her body. God. Jake handed a roll of duct tape to Denise and demanded that she tape her daughter's mouth. Oh. He was apparently displeased by her taping ability because she's like shaking and doesn't want to tape up her own daughter and she's, you know, horrified. And so he takes the tape away from her and begins to tape Jamie's hands, feet and mouth by himself. And after he's done, he grabs his gun that he had placed on the bathroom counter to tape her up. And he shot Denise in the head. He stated that he didn't look at her when he shot her. He pointed the gun at her head, looked away and pulled the trigger which I think is like all of it's disgusting, but just how cowardly that is to make the person that you're kidnapping see her mother be murdered, but you don't want to see it. Like just too much for you. It's just, he's disgusting. After killing her mother in front of her, he told Jamie to just keep walking. He stated, it's like, I already forgot that her legs were tight or whatever. I was dragging her. And then he just dragged her out of the house. I remember I stepped on James's blood and slipped or almost slipped. And then after that, I just dragged her, threw her in my trunk, and drove away. Just the nonchalant way that he describes all of this. As he was driving away from the house, he pulls over to let three police cars go by. Oh. The police that were headed to the Kloss residence after receiving a suspicious 911 call. He was later questioned about what he would have done if those police cars had stopped to question him. He said... I don't know exactly. I mean, honestly, I probably would have either shot myself or shot the cops. I only had three bullets left and I knew that. The home was located only three miles away from the dispatch center. Deputy Presley, Eric Sedani, and John Fick responded to the dispatch and arrived at the home at exactly 1 a.m. That is just seven minutes after the call was made. While they were on the way to the house, Deputy Fick said that he saw only one vehicle pass a maroon-colored Ford Taurus that was headed eastbound while they were driving west. The vehicle belonged to Jake, and Jamie was in the trunk. Jamie said later that she could hear the police sirens from the cop car driving by when she was in the trunk. And unfortunately, when I'm hearing this, I'm like, why didn't you stop the single car that is headed away from know, the house? I know. It's like very infuriating thinking about that, knowing yeah. that so much could be avoided if they had just pulled over the single car. Yeah. And I guess there's no point in really dwelling on that now, but like everything just makes your gut sink knowing that she was in this trunk, yeah, just witnessing the most horrific murders. Yeah. And then the cops are whizzing by that yeah. minute of hope maybe. Yeah. And then it just disappearing. When the deputies arrived on the scene, everything was quiet. They saw that there were lights on in the home, one coming from a corner room that was like on the second floor. And then another one coming from the master bedroom. They made their way to the front door and tried shining their flashlight through the window to get a, just get a look inside, scan, yeah. see what's going on. There was heavy condensation on the glass so they could barely see a thing. Oh. They noticed the door was partially open because of like the entryway rug being jammed yeah. between the door frame and the door. And this is when Deputy Sidani saw the legs on the floor. 
they found James Kloss lying dead on the floor with brain matter and blood on the walls. He was lying on his back with his upper body partially underneath the kitchen table. They determined that based off of the single shotgun shell and the significant head trauma, James had died from a single gunshot wound. The house was eerily quiet as the cops searched every room of the house. For all they know, the murderer could be hiding somewhere or another body could be just around the corner. They spotted a single shotgun shell on the hallway floor right outside of the bathroom door. Inside of the bathroom, Deputy Sidani found Denise sitting unresponsive in the shower. Like her husband James, she had been shot in the head. And I read in a court document that the backside of her head was completely removed. Oh my God. And it was found next to her in the tub. It appeared as if Denise had attempted to barricade herself in the bathroom because the top upper right like cabinet drawer had been pulled out approximately half a foot, which was actually very genius on her end. And that's something to take note of basically so that the door would hit into the drawer and only make it more difficult enter exactly and she's not assuming that this man is going to slam his body and split it in two but that is something to take note of and was very smart on her end that is so smart my bathroom Mm -hmm. literally has a drawer like that right at the door and i hit it all the time if i leave it open (laughs) and it's annoying then but it might be helpful one day yeah and um, next to the door jam on the bathroom floor, there was the cell phone that was used to place the 911 call. During the investigation, Detective Nelson got a call stating that Denise and James have a 13-year-old girl named Jamie. There must have been a rush of panic at that point, I'm assuming, when they mm-hmm. realized that they did not locate a child anywhere in the house. And this only suggests that she must have been taken by the individual that murdered her parents. Meanwhile, Jake was driving back to his home in Gordon. His town was located around 70 miles from Jamie's house, which means that she was bound in the trunk for two hours. Wow. Oh, and um, I love this. Above the entrance of his house, there was this like rickety old sign that says Patterson's Retreat. Oh my God. And I'll, I'm going to put a picture up on the Instagram because like the fact that this like delusional little man thought that that was a retreat there's like it's all in shambles first of all um there's six rundown cars in the driveway a like beaten up gross snowmobile tools boxes it's it's a disheveled mess this is no retreat and he lives alone he lives alone and it's like a it's it's a very like rural part it's very small uh very very small town i'm so impressed you could say that word i can't (laughs) yeah something i've practiced with time i can't say it it's like february February. I i can say february that i cannot do oh So when Jake and Jamie get there, um, he makes her change into his clothes and then burned all of the tape that he had used to bind her. I'm assuming this is to remove DNA evidence as if there isn't going to be any other on her. It's it's stupid, but smart, but yeah. No, he's stupid. He's stupid. He then bound her again, put her on his bed, and he went to go sleep on the couch. The next morning when he woke up, he recalled feeling a deep sense of remorse over what he had just done. <laughs> he, he says a deep sense sure. of remorse. He could barely look at Jamie and he spent the day in complete shock that he had actually murdered two people and kidnapped their child. What did he think it was going to be when he was fantasizing about this for years? What did he think the reality was going to be like? Law enforcement officials made an announcement to the public that they were positive that Jamie was still alive, but that she was in a lot of danger. Thousands and thousands of people were volunteering for search parties. 
the FBI offered a cash reward to anyone that knew of any information that would eventually lead to her whereabouts. An entire community rallied together to try and get the word out and find this young girl. Investigators received countless tips, but they all led to nothing. For nearly three months, Jamie remained his prisoner. Jake said in an interview that they played board games, watched TV, went for walks, and played catch and badminton. And I love that he like describes himself as some sort of nice captor. Yeah, that's... <laughs> when that's not the reality. Oh. Jamie was held captive for 88 days and spent the majority of those days trapped under Jake's bed for up to 12 hours sometimes. What? So that's 12 hours without a bathroom, food, or water. He would fill boxes with like- Or the ability to move around. The, yes, it, yeah. Trapped underneath a bed? And like the, I look, I, I read that the gap underneath the bed was two and a half feet tall. Oh my god! So the claustrophobia, you just feel oh like you're gosh. being buried alive. Yeah. And so that's no food, no water, no bathroom underneath that small space for 12 hours. And he kept her under there by filling up boxes with like lead weights. Oh my God. And like surrounding it so that she couldn't push her way out. Oh, so she's literally on the floor. On the floor. It's a twin bed too. So it's narrow. It's pressed against the wall. So it's pressed against a twin bed, two and a half foot clearing, completely surrounded for 12 hours. Every single Saturday, Jake's father would come over for a visit at the house. Jake would put Jamie underneath the bed before telling her that she had it pretty good and she could have it a lot worse here. He'd leave the radio on in his room to drown out any potential noise that she would cause and so that she couldn't hear whatever was going on like in the rest of the house. He recalled once allowing Jamie to write a letter to her aunt so that she could let her know that she was still alive. He was drunk when he did this. I don't know what he was thinking. Um, Drake said that... Drake... (laughs) He wishes. God. Jake said that he considered dropping it off on the aunt's driveway, but he eventually decided against it. There wasn't any explanation about whether or not he did this as a way of messing with her head and giving her false hope, or if he actually intended on delivering this letter. Yeah. Jake's dad gave him a hundred bucks a week just for groceries and bills. So he basically survived off of just that. And when that ran out, he would pick up odd jobs, um, like temp jobs. He wasn't known to be particularly driven or hardworking. Oh, really? Yeah, shocks no. me. <laughs> Not a man of real character. No. He would work for a day or two and then sit around until the next temp job just popped up. And I actually read at one point he worked at the Jenny O Turkey Store, which is where Jamie's parents worked for years. <sighs> and there wasn't there. I didn't read any information about them crossing paths, but apparently yeah. they did not. But I just think that that's yeah very odd. During the time that Jamie was held captive, he applied online to work for a liquor wholesaler. On his application, he described himself <laughs> he described himself as an honest and hardworking guy. Not very self-aware, Jake. No. Honest, huh? Yeah. He and would, hardworking. And He's not hardworking at all. Things. Yeah. <laughs> He'd leave the house for pretty long periods of time, sometimes up to 12 hours. He said that even though he never hit her, he could tell that she was really scared of him and his bad temper. Her fear um, of him made him trust her, if that makes sense. Like he just knew that she was so scared, so he trusted her because of that. He thought that there was no way that this girl would ever betray him. Sure. And it's it's worth noting that there hasn't been any details of his treatment, like abuse wise, um, but that could be because she was a minor. And I don't know if that's like a privacy thing, oh. possibly. They didn't so, 
They didn't disclose like any sexual assault or anything like that. Okay. Um, According to all the sources that I came across, they basically said that she was held captive for 88 days and nothing about physical or sexual abuse. But I can't help but assume um, that there had to be something based off of how disgusting he is. That's what I'm assuming too, but if... I just wanted to clarify there's no like details of that. Okay. Um, But I do bring that up because Jake likes to brag about how scared Jamie was of him, like throughout the trial and in the court documents, he really likes to emphasize that. So in my head, I'm like, you must have done something next level to make her fear you that much. Well, he, I know he did that, but he was like confident she wouldn't run away is what I'm saying. It's like on top of, I just, I I can't help it. Just, I don't know. I feel like it, it could be. As Maybe, simple yeah. as just watching your parents murdered like that. I mean, I, who knows? Um, I did read that he said that he never touched her, um, but that he did have like sexual fantasies about her and they slept in the same bed as each other, but that he didn't ever actually do anything to her because he felt so much guilt about murdering her parents. So we basically have to take his word on it, but I don't really trust a word out well, of this, this man's mouth. This is a survival story, isn't it? She Has she never talked? She has not oh, disclosed okay. anything. She's still very young. Like she, oh. at, at, at oh, this yeah, point, I'm right. assuming she's 15. still a minor. Yeah, she's this like happened 15. in 2018. Yeah, and this is she was 13 when all of this happened. Okay, okay. Jake watched the news constantly, and he kept very close track of all of the coverage on the abduction. And as time passed, his confidence in not getting caught just kept growing. Yeah, he said, after a while, I thought. Well, I could really get away with this. I mean, I understand how when there's no connection, a person has no connection to someone, how that's fucking almost impossible to solve or really hard to solve. Well, guess what? Jamie was smarter than you. She watched his routine very carefully and studied how long he would leave the house. She had built his trust over those miserable 88 days. And on January 10th, she made her move. It was a Thursday when Jake Patterson once again left the house while Jamie was trapped underneath his bed. This time, he informed her that he would be gone for a few hours. If I were her, I'd be losing my mind trying to figure out if he was like testing me or not. Yeah, I'd be so paranoid. But after 88 days, I feel like he's probably bound to have mentioned I'll be gone for two hours or I'll be gone for the day or something like that. So she was patient and she kept a a close watch on him and... Jamie was able to push her way out from under the bed. She put on a pair of her kidnapper's shoes and she escaped. Jean Nutter was taking her dog on a walk when she saw Jamie outside her house. I read that this was actually some sort of miracle because Jean didn't usually come up to her cabin in Gordon at this time of the year. Oh, wow. It was just a bizarre bizarre case of like wonderful luck. Yeah. Yeah. It was January in Wisconsin, a.k.a. freezing cold. Yeah. And Jamie was wearing um, very, like, light clothing. She was wearing, like, a a long sleeves, uh, leggings, um, but she didn't have any sort of, like, jacket or anything like that. And Jean couldn't believe her eyes because she immediately recognized her as a young girl that had been kidnapped just an hour north. Yeah. Jamie's missing persons flyers had been everywhere at this point. Yeah. And I'm sure everyone in Wisconsin had seen them. Mm -hmm. A million things were going through Jean's head. She didn't know what to do. The girl was obviously in distress and rushing to get somewhere. So Jean quickly went after her. When she caught up, Jamie just stopped and said, I'm Jamie. She told her the name of the kidnapper and pointed out uh, to Jean where he lived. And that was literally like his, her property is right up against Jake's. They're bordering properties. They're neighbors. 
And for safety measures, um, Jean brought her to a neighbor that was further down because yeah, she was sure she didn't want to disclose it to Jamie, but she was terrified being so close to him. Of and course. She just wanted this girl to be safe. Yeah. So she she brings her to a neighbor's house and the man that lived there stood in the doorway with a gun to guard her while his oh. wife called 911. Jean held on to Jamie and kept telling her, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. While all of this is going down, Jake comes home to find that Jamie is no longer underneath the bed or anywhere inside his retreat. He gets in his car to go look for her. So by now, Jake has already put his own license plate back onto his car, so he was very easy to find. Yeah. The authorities arrested Jake Patterson just 10 minutes later. Whoa. Very, very quick. Wow. There was a ton of shock and confusion surrounding what Jake had done. The people that grew up around him thought he was a completely normal guy. His teachers and classmates described him as smart and quick-witted, quiet but not a loner. He had friends and was well accepted among the 34 members of the class of 2015 Northwood School, most of whom had been together since kindergarten. Yeah. He was described as someone with a good sense of right and wrong and just always <laughs> laughing and smiling. Oh, my God. His parents had a troubled marriage and got a divorce when he was 11. And like most kids, the divorce negatively affected him, but not to the extent that it was really concerning to anyone around him. Mm -hmm. He moved from one small town to the next with his mother, but over time he started gravitating towards his father. He ended up in the rural town of Gordon that had a minuscule population of 645 residents. Whoa. Very, very small. A few different sources stated that he never dated or even talked about girls. It was like women just weren't really on his mind. Well, women mm -hmm. also weren't interested in him because yeah, he looks like a goddamn worm. worm. Jake had high hopes uh, when he headed to the Marine Corps recruit. Recruit? Is it Marine Corps or Marine Corps? Corps. Jake had high hopes when he headed to the Marine Corps recruit depot in San Diego. He was so relieved to be done with high school and finally making his dreams of being in the Marines come true. But after just five weeks, he returned back to the small town of Gordon. A source stated that he had health issues and that he wouldn't have been able to keep up with the demanding regimen. Regime. Regimen? Like regimen? Oh. Like, what's your regimen? Yeah, you're right. Couldn't find any detail. <laughs> I just love that moment. Sorry. It's this. and then. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's, that was such a me moment of yeah. like confidently. <laughs> no, it's this. <laughs> Couldn't find any details about these so-called health issues, but his grandpa said it was internal. So only implying mental. The Marine internal? Corps, internal. Aren't all medical issues internal? Internal, internal like, problems. Are, <laughs> well, rashes are external, so. Well, you know, hey. Yeah, I guess. The Marine Corps later made a statement about how his character didn't align with their expectations and standards. So in my head, I'm just like, can you be more specific? Does this mean he couldn't hold a yeah. plank for long enough? Yeah. Or does this mean he was a wacko? Like they're, yeah. it's, a, it's a very broad statement. When he got home from San Diego, he spent most of his time isolated in his tiny cabin in this tiny town. He stopped hanging out with his high school friends and he never responded to any of their calls. Maybe he was embarrassed by what felt like a total failure. failure. <laughs> Maybe. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Maybe he was embarrassed by what felt like a total failure to him. And it's clear that a fantasy grew into this like all consuming obsession, maybe during this time of isolation. His parents were just as shocked 
after Jake's arrest, his mother would not leave her house. She was so terrified and confused because she never saw any signs of this behavior. That's so sad. I know. She had never known him to be anything close to violent. Yeah. His father said the same thing. And don't forget, this guy would literally go over to his house on Saturdays while the girl was bound underneath his son's bed. The parents have both refused to do any media interviews. Uh, When his father was stopped at the courthouse by a CNN reporter, he said... All I care about is Jamie's family. So it's clear that they have all like rallied behind her and yeah. yeah, they have no interest in defending yeah. their son whatsoever, which is good. It's indefensible. The family collectively feels like they've experienced a death because their son is a monster and not at all who they thought he was. Well, they they basically have. And I think yeah. that's like the, the thing that you don't often think of when you hear a story like this of a monster yeah it, they are bound to have some type of family member of course and they've lost they, someone too they lose someone too and it's so sad at 21 years old jake patterson was sentenced to life in prison for kidnapping jamie and murdering her parents according to sputnik news the judge sentenced jake to two consecutive life terms for intentional homicide along with 25 years in prison and 15 years of extended supervision for kidnapping without the possibility of release. Judge James Babbler told Jake that he was one of the most dangerous men on the planet and the embodiment of evil. In court, Jamie made this statement. He thought that he could own me, but he was wrong. I was smarter. I was brave and he was not. He thought he could make me like him, but he was wrong. For 88 days, he tried to steal me, and he didn't care who he hurt or who he killed to do that. He should be locked up forever. Oh, no. I would literally, I was like, girl. round of friggin' applause for Jamie. Jake pulled the whole, I regret this more than you could ever know. Oh, BS. shut the fuck up. I know. And when he was asked why he did what he did, he would just respond with, you wouldn't understand. Oh, my God. I know, which makes me hate him even more. <laughs> One minute he's saying he regrets what he did and wishes he could bring her parents back. And the next he's saying, I'm really good at just not thinking about stuff that I don't want to think about. Like, I honestly barely until right now thought about the murders. He sounds so stupid. He's, oh, he's an idiot. And like, excuse my aggression, but is he not the human equivalent of diaper rash? <laughs> like, I literally oh like, my he, gosh, like yeah. I hate him. Yeah. Oh, like I literally wrote, I was like, he reminds me of when your inner thighs chafe after you've been on a water ride and you're wearing denim and you just have raw inner thighs. Yeah, He's that guy. He is currently serving life at Wisconsin's Dodge Correctional Institution, the same place where another monster is serving life, Chris Watts. Oh, really? Yeah. And I mean, I know you know who that is, but that's the man that killed his pregnant wife and kids and then like tried to blame the wife. What's that Netflix documentary? Um, It's like... um, American family or something. American, American Mo- dad. American monster. American well, whatever. nightmare or something Chris like that. Chris Watts. It's on Netflix. We've all seen it's it. It's a very good documentary. Anyone listening has, has definitely already seen it. Definitely so. seen it a few, yeah. I've seen it a few times yeah. by now. So to end this on a positive note, Jamie Kloss is now living with her wonderful aunt, Jennifer Smith, and apparently is doing very well. She is involved in school activities and she loves to dance. She gets stronger every single day, and she is just learning to adjust to her new normal. Oh, I want to hug her. I know. What a brave, She's so brave. Girl. Jamie's loved ones are so thankful for everyone that worked endlessly to find her. Yeah. And that is the incredible survival story of Jamie Kloss. Good job. That's a really 
an unbelievable story. story. Very intense story. And like, (laughs) it seems impossible. It seems unfathomable. But like I said, the whole kidnapping detainment cases are actually a lot more common than I think a lot of people realize. Oh yeah, totally. And I think that like two of the most well-known ones of this kind are Elizabeth Smart and then JC Dugard. Yeah. I think those are the ones that have been covered the most. Yeah. And I actually read about this incredible girl named Elizabeth Schof that was kidnapped from the driveway of her home and then kept in a bunker for 10 days. She was so like extraordinarily intelligent and like emotionally aware. How old was she? Uh, She was 14. Oh, okay. 14 years old. And she was able to manipulate her captor into thinking that she like loved him and wanted to be with him. And he would call her baby. So she started calling him baby back. And she would tell him how much she loved him and enjoyed being there with him. And this man started trusting Elizabeth and was so convinced that she was like actually in love with him that he let her play games on his phone. Oh my God, I know that story. Yeah. That is insane. He would like let her take walks around the bunker, yes. like outside, and then he would yeah. give her his phone. And one day as he's sleeping and she's, you know, playing games, yeah. she texts her mom, um, her whereabouts, like her exact whereabouts. Yeah. And the next thing you know, helicopters and law enforcement are surrounding the bunker. Yeah. And this girl, like I said, is only 14 years old. So you never know you never know how you're going to react in a situation. And there's obviously no formula of how to handle something, um, especially when something is so terrifying. But I was just in awe of like the (laughs) emotional awareness, intelligence of a 14 year old that she was able to manipulate this disgusting man. Yeah. And in 10 days in a very short amount of time. And I think it would be good um, to, we can like add some links and stuff to the website. Um, about like some resources and tips to keeping yourself safe from yeah. predators like this. Yeah. Yeah. So that is my very depressing and frightening, but very, ending on a high note yeah. story. Yeah. I think that was a great story. You did a really Thank good you. job. Thanks, Ashley. I felt passionate about it. Yeah. I could tell you're sweating. <laughs> I am profusely sweating, but it's also like 107 degrees. I know it's degrees. so hot, but the passion so. and the heat. Yeah. A deadly combo. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for this couch. It's light pink. Okay, well, let's go get in the pool. Yes, let's do it. Inflatable pool, baby. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a real one, so we <laughs> we, <have laughs> we an got inflatable one from pool, but best still. purchase of the year. Yeah, I think so. We love it. One yeah. day we're gonna have a fancy in-ground pool. Yeah, one day, but one day, but we'll really appreciate it. Yeah, we will when we have it. Yeah. All right, we love you guys. Oh, wait, what? Oh, say <laughs> so you love me back. Wait, we don't say we love the listeners. We say love you to each other. I'm feeling very appreciative for you guys today. <laughs> love you, Ashley. Love Did you me. get jealous? <laughs> I don't know. You got jealous. I don't know what I feel. Bye, Ashley. Okay, bye. I, well, I love you. I love you too. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you enjoy listening. We owe everything to the many journalists, authors, filmmakers, psychiatrists, and psychologists whose extensive work and expertise we pulled from to share this episode with you. For all of our detailed source material, please visit our website, 
thecrimebarpodcast.com. If you'd like to see content from today, you can find us on Instagram and YouTube at Crime Bar Podcast. We really love doing this show, and if you'd like to help the continued creation of it, you can support by donating to our Patreon, which we have linked on our website as well as our Instagram, patreon.com slash crimebarpodcast. This episode was hosted by Ashley Brumley-Johnson and Anna Katharina. We'll see you next week.